Welcome to Tech on Deck podcast brought to you by Fidelity Investments. I'm your host, Maureen Olajars, Domain Leader, Software Engineering, and Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer. Each episode takes listeners inside the walls of a fintech industry. Anything from cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, cloud, and crypto, to the intersection of product and technology. Tech on Deck breaks down the topics top of mind for technologists today. Plus, we'll give you insight into the exciting and challenging careers in fintech. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Tech on Deck. I'm Maureen Olajars, Head of Software Engineering at Fidelity. And I'm Adam Ely, I'm the Chief Information Security Officer here at Fidelity. And today we're here with Gopal Subramanian, who is the Head of Data Strategy, Governance and Analytics, which, which is a lot. Um, and I'm really curious to, to hear more about the data secure or data strategy, excuse me, and how to use analytics to better the experience of our customers. Data strategy is a very loaded term. So let me, the whole idea of data strategy is actually to make sure that data and analytics work towards the organization goals at a very, very high level. That's what data strategy is all about. Since it's a loaded term, you might want to break that into couple of small areas and have strategy around that. For example, one of the area could be master data management. So here you have a single source of truth. How do you ensure that we have a strategy around single source of truth? Then you have the operational platform. Trading is an operating platform. DC business is an operating platform. So how do you create a strategy around that for using data so that we can optimize for that particular product or for that particular operational platform? That's the second piece. The third piece of the data strategy would be the analytical platform. Here you have deep history. How can you actually create analytics out of it for the benefit of a customer, customer experiences, operational efficiency, and so on and so forth, right? So you have deep history data here. And the fourth one I would say is, how are you going to govern this data, right? So how do you ensure that we have the right people using the right data? We have the right way of looking at this data. So how do you govern that data? That's a fourth component of your data strategy, if you will. And the last one is you might have all of this data. If you don't have a strategy to consume it, then the data becomes a data jail. So if you put all of those five things together, you actually can create a cohesive data strategy. And that's very unique for an organization. It could be different for different organizations, but we can actually create a cohesive strategy around it. Now, did you say uh, create a data jail? If the data is not being consumed well, then the data sitting, we can have millions and millions of records. You can have terabytes of data. If it is not consumed the right way to create value to a customer, then I call that as a data jail. Having data in a a platform which is not being used. So consumption becomes an important portion of what we do. So that's a key area of a data strategy. Marina, I don't know about you. I've never heard that term, and I, I really like it. I just it. created it. You just created it. I just it. created it. Right here, we just created it. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. We'd love to dig into this um, as we go through the uh, podcast here, um, Gopal. But maybe first, how about if you step back and tell us a little bit about yourself and your career journey here at Fidelity? Sure. I've been at Fidelity now this March. will be 24 years. Majority of my time I've spent in asset management, um, and then now I'm in another uh, business unit called Workplace Investment, uh, which focuses on, on defined benefits, defined contributions, stock plan services, helping our customers in India's uh, financial wellness. Primarily, 
I've always used data and analytics throughout my career. Prior to Fidelity, I was uh, in startup companies, again, doing data and analytics. That's great. All right. That's, you know, there's there's so much there to unpack. You know, data jail aside, uh, my new favorite term, by the way. Thank you for that. I'm using that somehow this week. Um, where do you start? So if we took data strategy, knowing that's a really big thing to unpack, where do you really start? And if you if you looked at Fidelity, how would we define that for ourselves? Yeah, so as I mentioned, those those five different components or five different things, areas that we can focus on, mass from mass data management to consumption. So our fidelity strategy across all business units is based on that uh, bottom line, right? So we want to make sure we are acquiring the data right way. We want to make sure the data that's acquired is coming to various systems the right way with, with proper quality. Once the, once the system, the data flows in, to various uh, operational platform or, or analytical platform, we want to make sure that's being used optimally. The design for an operational platform is focused on performance. You go in a trading system, if you wait for milliseconds, then your performance, that's not acceptable. But in an analytical platform, the design could be completely different because of historical data. So when you think about all of those five components, you put together an ecosystem, which we call data ecosystem. And from left to right, you can focus on where you want to improve. In some cases, in our organization, in, in business units, we might do really, really, really well in mass data management and operational platform. That's our core business right now. But we might not do well in analytical platform. So the focus goes to analytical platform. How can I consolidate the data in analytical platform so we can actually do a better job of looking at a customer 360 degrees? So it depends on the maturity of the organization, where they are, so they can focus on those. But the framework of what I just said about five holds true for any organization and how you start that journey. So maybe, Gopal, where I'd go with that is to share a little bit with us. You talked about the data ecosystems, how you think about the analytics and the ecosystem in its, in its um, component parts. So tell us a little bit about how do you help an organization with that? How do you think, how do you get the organization to think about data and all its aspects in the right way? Sure. I, I did that in asset management for many years and, and we're currently doing it in workplace investment. I think the first, I spent about uh, three to six months interviewing people about what is the problem with the data, right? We, we just need to understand what's the current state look like. Um, and then from that, most of the time, what I have found with my experience is by design, we have created an environment which is very siloed. And that's by design. Um, so to break that design of what we have from a silo to a more horizontal practice of data is a cultural shift. Mm -hmm. It is not a technology shift, actually. So, so if you think about that, for example, any big problem you need to break it up into a smaller chunk, which I call as digestible way of thinking about data. Give you an example. In asset management, when we looked at various uh, uh, business units within asset management, be it uh, a high income or a fixed income or an equity or whatnot, they had their own silo of managing the data. But if you think about there are what I call a subject areas, which is like security reference, for example, portfolio reference as an example, trading, holding, all of these are small subject areas we have duplicated and fragmented for high income, equity, fixed income, and that's how we have created the silo. But now you start putting an asset management hat, these are all common subject areas. Why are we doing it in a multiple ways? And let's challenge ourselves to build it once and reuse it many times. Yeah. So, so one way to think about the data strategy is what problem we're trying to solve 
Where are we today? And what's the best way to break those silos so we can create a unified way of looking at this data? And Fidelity has done a wonderful job with, with analytical platform. We have one unified platform where every BUs come and take the data. The data is not duplicated, right? The thing that we need to be worrying about in these cases, how is our security? How can we make sure that the right people are getting access to the right data? And the technology is so good right now, we can always easily do that. It's a big evolution. It right? is. As a firm, I don't know whether you want to. Uh, it, takes, know, it, takes there. it takes years. It takes years to go through this journey, but I call it as a crawl, walk, and run. So, a lot of the times we crawl, but we need to know what are the steps that we need to do to walk. Yeah. And if you're walking, what are the steps I need to do to, to run, right? So it's it's basically a simple methodology we can use in this too. Yeah. But it is you don't see a change overnight. Do you see a real commitment to this? I, I, I think so. I, I, I definitely think so. I, I'll go back uh, many years because I've been here for 24 years now. Um, we were very application-centric. When I say application-centric, we run, let's say we do an application in fixed income. That needs, let's say, portfolio data. We have another application that needs portfolio data. What we look at it is we have created portfolio data in one application. The other one, we have created another portfolio data. So you have actually duplicated and fragmented. Instead, if you take a step back and say, if portfolio data, portfolio is a subject area, can I do it one and both the application can it use it? So now the thought process has changed from many years back from an application-centric, I call application-centric data design to a data-centric data design. So the, that's a huge evolution for us. And if you look at every organization, maybe last five, six, 10 years, we have a CDO, chief data officer or chief analytic officer. It has become a norm across the industry because of the importance what data brings to the table. Yeah, so where do you see us going? And you know, Adam, feel free to step in. Um, where do you see us going as we think about more analytics or predictive because by bringing that data together, right, you're going to get richer insights. You're going to be able to meet your customers, your clients, uh, in a whole different manner than so, we have in the past. I would say, if you think about it, yes, analytics and area. So I, I, it's 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 not maybe the right term, but I will say there's something called running the business and growing the business. Your day-to-day -day operations, your day-to-day -day operational is very, very important for us to run the business efficiently. For growing the business, analytic, analytics becomes a key part of what we are trying to do. Even within the analytics, you can think about descriptive analytics and predictive analytics. Right? Descriptive analytics, we need it. We need to know how we are doing based on the history. Um, we have a lot of questions that we can answer to our customers based on how, how we have done. But can you also take that data, maybe augment some external data, and can you predict what's, what, what they need for in future? A lot of the companies are doing it right now. So that's the area that we are pushing forward where we can personalize more and understand the customer much better. So we meet them where, they, where we can meet them, as well as understand what, they, what the next step in their journey is. So that's a big piece of what we are trying to do with the analytics. So when you, when you start to think about how to use data to predict what a customer wants in the future, what's going to be beneficial for them, and you think about building these, these large data ecosystems, there's so many companies that are also trying to think about the data privacy element and, and what's that line you can walk up to and that you don't want to cross because you want to, you want to give these consumers something that they need and they want but you don't want to come out as if you're crossing a boundary. How do you think about that when, when building these ecosystems, giving access to data and using this analytics over the top of it? So a couple of things. So depending on which business units you are in, it becomes that much stricter. The unit that I come from, workplace investment, we have contracts with various large, large firms. 
So we need to adhere to those contracts. Then there is an ERISA rule that we need to follow because we administer their, their, their data on behalf of them. So we have to consider all of those. So when we take into all of those, we, ha we have an LRC, uh, which basically looks at, if, let's say we're doing any, any model, AI model. It has to go through uh, rigor in in from the AI ethics perspective. Are we ethically sound? Can we explain those models from the, from the predictive perspective? And from the data perspective, we go through the LRC to say, this is what we are trying to do. The intent of using the data becomes important. It is not just giving access to somebody. If the intent is going to serve our customer better, we have an explanation around it. I think it's great. That's that's a key piece of what we're trying to get at. That's amazing. And you mentioned AI ethics, and that is a whole podcast in itself. So I won't go into that, but it's amazing that we're thinking about it all the way to that level because obviously with things that we're seeing in the news right now, OpenAI, ChatGPT, uh, GPT-4 coming out, that's something that's on uh, the minds of a lot of technologists trying to figure out how to solve and how that changes the future. For See, us. what has happened is NLP has been there for so many years. Um, and we have been using NLP in, 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 in all our business units. We are using NLP, uh, whether it is whether it is uh, it is a chat bot, whether it is uh, in, in, in virtually answering some questions. It, we're using it in many, many cases where we are trying to develop even intent models. But what has happened with, with ChatGPT and others with, between Google and, and, and Microsoft, these technologies have become so prevalent, now everybody wants to use it. Now, a non-data scientist could use a ChatGPT today. Whether it's accurate or not is a different issue, but they can use it. But the question on the table for us is, it's good, but if we don't fidelitize that, then it is, no, it is of no value. So that's what we are trying to understand is, okay, the conversational AI, which is the extension of what ChatGPT and others are trying to do, is can we do a conversational AI for our phones? That's the pilot that we are working on right now and see what's the best best solution in that area. So I think the, the NLP has become so easy for others to catch right now, but the only thing is what's best for Fidelity is what we need to think about. So hey, there's something in you said that's interesting, that's really interesting to me about non-data scientists want to now use these tools, which brings me to the whole thought process of like data literacy and what we're doing about data literacy of people, you know, really understanding because if they want to use these tools, I feel like there's some foundation, right? Uh, so tell me a little about that. So we have a we have a group that focuses on 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 the on what we just said, data literacy. The idea of data literacy here is to make sure that every business partners that we have, they can understand what we are trying to do and ask more questions. Sometimes asking questions, we can go back to the whiteboard and actually architect a better solution. So I'll give you an example. So we, we joined hands with uh, Enterprise AICOE to bring in a professor to, to, to teach us about personalization. But the question on the table is, how can you think about a use case for personalization? What are the parameters that we need to think about saying that if we do this, there's a value of what we mean by personalization. So that's what we, as a data literacy, and obviously we have Tuesdays, uh, uh, our, our data literacy day, we bring in these professors from outside, external speakers, internal speakers to work with our business partners and, and teach them saying that this is how you might want to think about your use cases. What that has generated in last one year, only in workplace investment, we have created 75 experiments. Now, creating an experiment doesn't mean everything is successful, but at least we can learn from those hypotheses and how to create those hypotheses being taught to our business partners. So that's just one example of how we create data literacy within the organization. Wow. 
Can you tie some of that back? Because um, this is really interesting. Uh, so the work that you're doing with the business, um, we're always trying to give value, right? How do we get value for our customers? How do we move the business forward? And the data literacy, which you just talked about, is really key. Now, how do you bring it back to value personalization to customers and you know what that might turn into? Right. So if you, if you think about even these use cases, if you yeah. think about personalization, there are a couple of things that we do for example, I'm in, I'm in workplace investment, our focus is on net benefits. If you think about net benefits, what are the value that we can give, give our customers when it comes to net benefits? What are they looking for? Putting, and putting some blocks of information which is not useful for them doesn't serve the purpose. So the combination of experiments, the combination of personalization, combination of understanding them a little bit better and positioning them so that we can give them the right information for them to react is what we are trying to do there. So from our perspective, the goal there is to improve the experience of the customer much better than what it is today and give them the value so they don't have to go and look around for what they need in 15, 15 or 20 different places. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing that we're tying all together of what, you know, classic data scientists might do we're figuring out the tools, the usage, educating everyone else, and then unlock the power and get the data out of the jail. I told you I was gonna bring that back. I'm using that one, like, I love it. I've not seen it. Um, but one thing that struck me is you've talked about a number of the Fidelity business units, and you've been here, I think you said 24 years now. Um, you know, career mobility is something that I'm often asked about. Um, and and you know, hey, how do I how do I move in my career? Where do I go? How do I do something different? You've had the luxury of being able to to move around in a firm and and watch that in this firm. Can you tell me a little about you know your thoughts of, of being at a large firm and and what mobility has meant for you to take on these new challenges? I um, personally, um, I think Fidelity is a great company that way, where it gives you opportunity to go from one BU to the other BU, which is fantastic, and I think it is a win-win situation. And it's win for the organization and it's win for uh, employees. And the reason why I say that is when you think about the employees, they get to learn something new. They get to learn, apply some technology to other business units. They, they get an opportunity to question the status quo. And, and that has provided, and, and if you have curiosity, energy and push the agenda, I think Fidelity gives you that opportunity to, to, to move around. Um, and for me personally, uh, being spent a lot of time in asset management, understood the business and spent whatever more than a decade on that, moving into workplace investment, completely new business for me. B2B, learning B2B and B2C is different than being in asset management. I'm still learning a lot, but it gives me that, that Fidelity gives me that, that uh, opportunity for me to go and have a discussion with various business partners. At the same time, I know data and analytics. How can I apply to that unit? It's, it's such a great uh, place that way. So I, there's a, there's this question that's in my mind that I've been talking to people about lately. And I think you might have an interesting perspective because you've moved around the company. And I think specifically because the stuff you're working on, you're having to scan the outside ecosystem as well. What are some of the most interesting technology trends that you're seeing either infidelity in our sector or maybe outside the, the organization? So I think um, right now, um, the biggest focus for us is to, on the AI space, um, to create the conversational AI. So you, you talked about chat, GPT and others. So that's one, one big area for us. Um, I would go back and extend that to saying even, for example, biometrics could be another area that I've been reading a lot 
that we we want end passwords. What's the best way to do it in a secured way? So I think that's another big uh, thing. Fidelity has already started in the area of blockchain uh, and and crypto, and that's an area that might that might grow in 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 future. Quantum computing. FFCAT has started this education on quantum computing. We not a lot of people know about it, exposed to it, but FCAT has done a fantastic job of this. So, the applicability of quantum computing is something that we need to be thinking about. So, there's a, there's a theoretical knowledge of it and an applicability of it. I call it fidelitizing it. Um, healthcare. I think there's there's lot coming in the healthcare space for using technology for advancements, um, whether uh, including a privacy act, uh, HEPA regulation. I think it's called privacy enhanced technologies are coming in in our way to to do that. So I think this, if you think about if you're if you love technology, there are many areas that we can actually focus on, and and like a T shape, right? You can be you can you can have a horizontal knowledge of a lot of the stuff, but you can have we can go deep on one of those topics and and become an expert in health fidelity. As a technologist, so that's all wonderful, and the you know the opportunity landscape seems limitless, <laughs> and and uh, its applicability to various business problems. What else might you say to technologists out there listening to this? You know, as they think about potentially what's fidelity all about? How could I further myself in this space? I, I would say fidelity is a financial services company, but a lot of focus on technology. Um, I have not seen. I, I in fact, I would say that even the technology budgets that we have is probably more than a, a technology company itself. So if you are a technology uh, person, I think the opportunities for us to to use technology here uh, is, is absolutely amazing. Um, there is no restrictions to private company. So we are spending a lot on this area to experiment. Um, so I think it's it's fantastic. So, Gopal, thanks for all of that, right, as we've gone through industry trends, how we're using them in Fidelity, and how to think about reaching technologists who may be considering opportunities for Fidelity. But tell us a little bit you shared with us earlier in our discussion here about your past, right? And you've spent time, not just 24 years in Fidelity, but in various startups in the same, you know, data and analytics space, Um yeah, prior, so why why the shift? Yeah, prior to prior to Fidelity, I I, I was working in some uh, small startup companies. Again, focus more on what we used to call as data mining, which is a combination of data and analytics uh, at the time. Um, I think uh, um, for me, Fidelity has given a strong foundation um, uh, of using that uh, what I have used in a startup company. Why? I have moved to start a company. The circumstances at the time was was such that I moved into into Fidelity, but then I said maybe I stay here for five years and 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 I go back to startup. Was was my thought process? Twenty four years, I'm still here and I'm happy. Um, and I think primarily I would say um, each of you, what I manage or each of the segments that people manage, we can run as a startup. Hmm. I think um, we have been given that leeway to run as a startup, and which is what exactly what we do. There are certain things that you can control. There are certain things you can't control. The one you can control is your group and how can you be act like a startup company and, and change that. And that's 24 years I've been doing that. Uh, so it helps uh, you to think that way because then you can act that way and we can actually deliver a lot more if you think in that that way because startup companies actually have to make decisions faster. Now, if you think as a small group, which is what a startup is, if you can do that in a smaller segment and you can make decisions within yours, that, that's under control. We can push the agenda so much. 
So I'm hearing the richness, the broadness of what we would invest and the, in and, and the money forward, to be invested and the money to be invested. Yeah. It's a win-win. Yeah. It's an amazing mix. I mean, we get to we get to play with all the technology. We have the yeah. support and the stability of a large company. Uh, makes me question uh, why I would ever leave. So. Exactly. <laughs> why if you're not here again? <laughs> That's what happens, Adam. That's what happens. <laughs> so, Gopal, tell us, you know, 24 years with the same company, you got to have some memories, um, good, bad, or otherwise. But what's one of your fondest or, or happiest memories uh, of working here? I think I have a lot of memories. Um, the, the best has always been for me when I travel with my colleagues. There's so many stories that we would have, personal stories, uh, which touch you in some cases. Um, the background, the, the people have come in and joined the company. So I've always had great memories and it has created a lot of friendship within, within, within the people at, at Fidelity where I travel. So a lot of my memories, I would say, um, has always been when I'm traveling with colleagues. Any interesting or funny examples? You love data. Anything that you would think about in your personal life or how you might apply analytics, data analytics to everyday situations? I don't know if it is a funny story, but um, I moved to North Carolina recently and, and I have a golf simulator. Okay. The data comes out of the golf simulator is amazing. I love it. I have no excuse but to improve. But we will see. Uh, but um, just imagine how much a swing can the data can tell you about your swing. And and I tell my kids about the analytics that comes out of this. They worry about golf, and I worry about analytics. So it's 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 just that we always talk about the analytics. But whatever we do, whatever we see, we think about at least I think about what comes out of it, uh, and what is the data points that I can look at. So. The, the latest one is the uh, simulator. Oh, that's great. That's family night at yeah. <laughs> Gopal's house. I think it's an amazing yeah. tie in between that's work it. and personal. That's awesome. <laughs> I would have never expected that. That's, that's probably the best answer I, I could have hoped to yeah. hear that. Gopal, on behalf of Maureen and I, just want to thank you for taking the time to sit with us today. Uh, it was great to hear your story, your journey, on how you're thinking about data and how you're thinking about things that are out on the horizon, like AI ethics. and. Uh, how you can keep us all safe while using that data and giving us the products we need. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us for Tech on Deck. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't yet, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you to our listeners and recording studio and editors who make our episodes possible. To learn more about tech opportunities, head over to tech.fidelitycareers.com. See you next time.